Hi, this is Nicholas Kwan. You have to say, I had, this is, I had no idea, no? And I'm Jacob Peck, and this is, I had no idea. Oh, is that how we did it? That's, oh, we're just changing it up. No, is that, well, I think one episode. No, I think all the episodes are, has been, um, you're listening to, I had no idea with Nicholas Kwan. No, I swear they're different. I swear they're different. Hi, this is Nicholas Kwan. And Jacob Peck. And you're listening to, I had no idea. Jacob, how you doing, bro? I'm doing fine. Uh, a little down, a little oh. down for sure. Oh, really? Yeah, because I had to cancel my trip to Japan. Oh, yeah. It's such a bummer. Did you end up losing like lots of money? Did you get some of that back? If I had to estimate it, uh, so I didn't do like the full calculations yet, mm. just because I've been too bummed to do it. Right. <laughs> and honestly, I don't even want to know for real. Yeah. But I think I lost around seven hundred dollars. Seven hundred dollars. Yeah. Damn. Which, I guess it could have been worse. It's like two Nintendo Switches. When you put it like that, <laughs> it makes me feel really bad. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. They're made in Japan. I'm sorry. She's sorry. Go fund me. A GoFundMe for me? No one would fund me. Yeah, you know, everyone. A lot of my friends have seen my house, and they're like, "Bro, <laughs> yeah, your house is pretty nice." Yeah. All right, we'll stop talking about that now. Yeah. So it's kind of fitting that uh, we're we're talking about that because my topic today that I've chosen is coronavirus. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was fitting. You know, it's a time when, uh, really, for the first time there, in yeah. years, yeah, we've we've had a pandemic, a global pandemic. And uh, yeah, just thought it would be a good time to just start talking about coronavirus. You know, what is it? What makes it so deadly? What are the facts and myths regarding coronavirus? And I know we usually like to kind of like banter about right. coronavirus, like yeah. back and forth. Yeah. But uh, I just didn't feel like it was appropriate for this episode to do that. Right. Just like because we tend to joke in the beginning with yeah. before we do our research. And in case someone uh, has the infection or has a loved one with the infection, I didn't want to really go there. So we're going to, I'm personally going to just go straight into it um, after listening to what you have in store for us today, Jacob. Um, I think mine's a little bit lighthearted. Yeah. Um, And I think before I introduce a topic, I like to just share a story. I think that's just going to be something that I do. I love it. Yeah. So anyway, story time. I love just watching anything with Gordon Ramsay. Oh, me too. Like, you know, world famous chef. Yeah. Such a badass. I love both sides of him. Like his persona of being like a badass chef in like Hell's Kitchen. And also, like, the nicer side of him when he's working with, like, prisoners and stuff yeah. like that. And, and, and with them his cook. children, like, junior yeah. master chef, he's so, he's so good to them. Yeah, he's, like, a really nice dude yeah. when he's off camera. And I feel like the U.S. version of something like Kitchen Nightmares yeah. is way worse and, like, edited in a way to make him yeah. look like the villain. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, if you look at the early seasons of the U.K. version, he's, like, a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Anyways. Yeah. yeah, so speaking of Kitchen Nightmares, um, I just... I love watching the clips on YouTube because okay. they're just they're hilarious. Me too. I like watching them right. once in a while. And so if you if you've never seen Kitchen Nightmares, it's basically the show um, where these restaurants who aren't doing so great in their business, they call up Gordon Ramsay to help them out. Basically, I always wondered how they did that. Like they just call up the guy, like, "Hey, yeah, my restaurant's not doing so hot. Yeah. <laughs> Could I call up my boy yeah. Gordon Ramsay?" And so yeah, he shows up and he gets them to serve. Um, him their best dish and, it, and he raised the experience and, and the food and then basically he just like proceeds to let the criticism fly because he 
wants to help the, help, help out the restaurant, right? Yeah. The wild part is 49 out of 50 restaurants like give them so much crap because they just can't handle the criticism. 49, that, so that's a real figure. No, 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 but like I'm just basically saying like 99% of the time. I think out of all the episodes I watched, there was only one where the food was good and so the criticism didn't fly in terms of the food. Okay. But like the restaurant experience was like it could have been gotcha. done a little better. Gotcha. But everyone else has so much pride in their food. Totally. You know? Yeah. And so it's just really funny because they have instant regret that they called Gordon. <laughs> right, yeah. But he yeah. always makes their restaurant like 10 times better at the, end mm. of, at the end of the episode. Yeah. He like shortens the menu. He's like, you make money off of the wine. <laughs> every, every episode. That's great. Yeah. And so, you know, he has all these shows and he's probably, I think, the most famous like celebrity chef, I think, in the world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right? Yeah. Definitely him or Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know he's got a couple of Michelin stars. You know where I'm going with this. My topic is going to be around Michelin stars. Questions like, what are Michelin stars? Where did it come from? What does it mean? And obviously, who's got the most? That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever eaten at a Michelin star restaurant? I think once. What? When I was in Europe. I, but it was very unclear to me whether they had a Michelin star. I, so it's hard to explain. I was in France mm-hmm. Yeah, with our mutual friend, John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... On like the first couple days of the trip, you're a little bit gung-ho and loose with your money. Right. So we decided to, it was my decision. I wanted to go to a Michelin star (laughs) restaurant just to round out my European experience. And uh, I don't know if it actually did, to be honest. Like, I think there's a difference between Mm -hmm. like having a Michelin star and being Michelin certified. I could be totally off base here. But honestly, I don't know if I have. I may have. Did it... Did it taste good? The food was awesome. It was phenomenal. And it was expensive. Yeah, it was (laughs) phenomenal. (laughs) But I can't tell you definitively that it was Michelin star. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. I've never, ever had a Michelin star experience. But I'm also someone that would rarely ever pay more than $15 for any sort of dining experience. Yeah, special occasions. Yeah, yeah. Um, Me and Nick, we live in Canada, and there are actually no Michelin stars. Um here sadly but don't feel sorry for us we have the raptors hoping for that back-to-back championship <laughs> how is that relevant <laughs> because that's something that i am super proud of okay okay gotcha okay anyways that's my topic for the week <laughs> and so nicholas and i we're gonna get to the lab we're gonna take a short break and we will get back to you back hello jacob yeah yeah how how was doing the research was it good find some good stuff taxing tiring depressing yeah constantly reminded me of japan and all the experiences i'm not having i was supposed to fly out today by the way today was the day oh man yeah i would be on a plane right now sorry to hear that coronavirus wasn't a thing yeah yeah was it that the plane like the airlines wouldn't let you or was it more like a oh no like your no. family didn't want you to go no it initially it was my family really pressuring me to not right. go and right. i think when they first brought it up to me the statistics in japan they had like 80 cases in total right and i looked at that and i was like eh. but then it got really yeah, really sketchy exponentially just yeah exponentially yeah, sure. worse uh every day like i just saw that 
then those number of cases soar up to the point where even I was kind of like, okay, it's not worth it. Plus, there were some like tourist attractions that were getting closed down too. And I was like, honestly, maybe the vibe just won't be right in Japan at this point in time. They're even worried about, you know, the Tokyo Olympics not really you know, uh, going on this summer. Right. They, they're thinking of oh, post- that like serious, postponing yeah. it, canceling it. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, the vibe in Japan just might not be correct, and I'd okay. rather go at a time when things are a little bit more stable. Right. Yeah. But what about you, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, um, I had a really fun time just searching up and, and going more in depth about the, the roots of the Michelin star and all that. And so yeah. I guess I'll start. Okay. Okay. The Michelin star, it dates back to the 20th century from year one. So in 1900, two French brothers came up with this guide. Their names were Andre Michelin and his brother, Edward Michelin. And this guide was called the Michelin Guide. So is Michelin a Spanish last name? Uh, no, I believe it's French. French. Oh, sorry. I, heard, I thought I heard sp- yeah. Spanish. <laughs> we're really off our game today. Yeah. <laughs> These two brothers were the founders of the Michelin Tire Company. Yes, the chubby, older-looking version of the Pillsbury Doughboy. Okay, so they are related. Mm-hmm. I always wondered. Mm-hmm. Okay. Having founded their tire company in 1889, they wanted to create a demand for people to own automobiles, which would lead to more tire purchases. Okay. Right? There were only about 300 cars in France at the time, while everyone was riding bikes. Sounds like a simpler time, right? Better time. Also horses, right? I don't know about that. Probably. I swear, yeah, horses, yeah, horses. Horses yeah. and just walked around mm-hmm. everywhere. And so they created this guide, 35,000 copies, launched with a map and instructions on how to change tires. On the map, they included a list of accommodations like hotels and mechanics that they can go to and, of course, restaurants, places to eat. Uh-huh, okay. In just 10 years, it had expanded outside of France to the rest of Europe and even to Northern Africa, which is kind of random. Oh, right? yeah, that is pretty random. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah it, just... I, it might have to do with like colonization to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Um, with the war just a few years later, production had stopped but relaunched in 1920. Um, but with this time, a cost to the guides. Okay. Yeah. Smart profit, profit mm-hmm. move. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to 1926 and boom, the first Michelin stars were awarded to various French cuisines if they were considered as fine dining establishments. And was Although, it like these two brothers? Kind of making the judgment call. I think call? so, yeah, yeah, really? I think so. That's Although we don't know exactly what like that means, fine dining, establishment, how they like chose people to go to these restaurants. They don't really go into specifics about that. Or maybe I guess that was lost in translation at some point. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. Yeah. I'll I, I tried doing digging some more, but there wasn't that much research on it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but by 1931, they had a very simple but succinct evaluation system. Mm-hmm. A restaurant could be awarded up to three stars. One star meant that it was a very good restaurant in its category, I assume food-wise. Oh, no. It, it would be like a overall experience. So it wouldn't just be looking at the food, but also mm. you know the friendliness of the staff and effectiveness of the service, mm. uh, restaurant atmosphere, right, right, right. all that stuff. I think um, all of it is taken into consideration. You're schooling me. You're schooling me in this research. I, well done, sir. I, I just loved watching Gordon Ramsay videos, and, <laughs> and I wanted to learn more about it in my own time. Fair yeah. enough, fair enough. Two stars meant that it was an exceptional restaurant and was worth taking a detour for. Three stars meant that it would just blow your mind and it was worth a special journey. The two star to three star difference seems very significant. Like, yeah, I would, you know, drive on the wrong, drive the wrong way to get to that <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> and third is like, it'll change your life. You yeah, know? but I, I think, I think 
that's what it is. There's a lot of like two star restaurants, but there's not that many three star restaurants. Gotcha. Yeah, it's gotcha. really weird. Yeah, I guess I guess there aren't a lot of restaurants out there where I would go out of my way. Right. Mm. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty fair. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, in other words, I'm just gonna simplify it, even though it's already a pretty simple ex- explanation. One star means that if it's in your city, you have to go try it. Two stars means that if it's outside your city, it's okay to go out and go get it. Oh, so that far out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Not like, okay, I'm yeah, going to yeah, turn yeah. this car around. Go no, no, like no. It's not like, oh, here's an accident. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's... <laughs> not nice. Gotcha, not gotcha. like that. Yeah. And three stars means close your shops, tap into your savings, personify the food, and let your tongue enjoy. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what a three-star experience is supposed to be like. What are we doing recording a podcast and not enjoying a well, three-Michelin-star restaurant? I mean, meal? if we can get a sponsor Ooh. and this podcast blows up somehow. Anybody important listening? Or not important but has a lot of money? Ooh. Ooh. Wait. <laughs> we just dissed that guy or a girl. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Interesting fact. During the Second World War, the mm-hmm. Michelin-star was reduced to a two-star rating system because of food shortages makes sense okay yeah now i didn't know this but the michelin star system only came to north america in 2005 it's only 15 years ago yeah i guess you know north america is not really known for being you know a food powerhouse yeah first in new york city um i guess just a lot of it was like you said contained in europe then in 2007 2008 it moved to japan and china Um, now the michelin star rating system is present in 23 countries okay Still to this day, North America only has a few states with the Michelin star system. New York, Chicago, LA, Las Vegas, and San Francisco. Which explains why a lot of aspiring chefs want to go there. Yep, makes sense. Yeah, I think Toronto, you need to pick up your slack and stop overcharging us with these midget portions. Yeah, I wonder why. Like, Toronto has so much diversity in yeah. its food you would think, and you culture would think, yeah. that... Yeah, you would think that we would have at least one. Right. Yeah, that's surprising. I also don't. I also didn't know this. The Michelin star rating system doesn't work the same way as most fr- food critics and reviewers do. The inspector who evaluates a restaurant is actually anonymous, so you can't really prepare for a Michelin star dining experience. Okay. But it does mean your restaurant has to be wildly consistent. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Now, Nick, care to guess how many Michelin stars Gordon Ramsay has? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Uh. I want to say around 30. That's... Is that a lot? That's a lot. Oh, no. I thought he was amazing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in total, he's been rewarded with 16. 16. Awarded with 16. Okay. Uh, but it's funny. If you type that question onto Google, there's a video of Gordon Ramsay answering from his phone saying that he's got seven. So I think he's got seven right now. But in his tenure, he's had 16 at one point. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So... Um, does he have like amongst like the top 10 in terms of the number of Michelin stars that a person so. has? Yeah. Because the most um, Michelin stars a chef has ever had at one time was 32. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I thought he was number one and I was thinking, okay, if we're probably the best in the world, it's probably mm-hmm. around 30 yeah, realistically. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. It was by a French dude named Joel Robuchon. Robuchon. Do you like my French? Robuchon. Uh <laughs> It was pretty good. Better than I could do. <laughs> we'll say that. I was actually awarded the French award in grade eight. <laughs> I can't speak it. I can't speak it at all now. You had dumb classmates. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, but he passed away in 2018. Rest in peace because of cancer. Mm. 
Last um, fact about the Michelin star, according to the 2019 chart of Michelin stars, Japan and France are tied at 29 restaurants with three Michelin stars. So again, that's not a lot. No, that's not. Yeah. yeah. Although Japan has more Michelin stars in general, with over 200 stars in the city of Tokyo alone. Wow. So if you went to Japan... I'm getting so depressed, yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm sorry, bro. I even wrote here on my script uh, that you were supposed to go and, like, shame. <laughs> shame me? Like, there's a, there's a no, line No, for shame, says, oh. though. It just says shame, period. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for thinking of me. Yeah, for sure, man. I'm always thinking of you, bro. Oh, cool. I'm always thinking of you. Thanks, man. Wow. Appreciate that. Very cute. Um, I searched up how many Michelin stars Korea has because, you know, everyone wets their pants about how good the food in Korea is. Yep. I searched it up. We have no three Michelin star restaurants. Oh, bro. We have a couple of two-star ones and several one-star with a total of 31 stars. Mm-hmm. My theory is Korean food just isn't fancy. It isn't. Yeah. yeah. It's based off of, you know, a bit of a peasant culture, right? Yeah. You know, using like a bunch of ingredients in, a, right. in creative ways. Right. So, yeah. yeah, like how are you going to have an exceptional dining experience when you have 15 side dishes with six people dipping their spoons in the same kimchi stew? You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. But right. that's our food. Yo, but have you ever seen <laughs> Worth It by BuzzFeed? Yes. You know, the one where yeah, they yeah. try like one type of food, but at like a low price, medium price, high price yeah, restaurant. Yeah, yeah. yeah, some of those restaurants, um, you know, it, they, they, sh- they have food where, uh, you know, y- y- it would typically be shared communally. Like Korean barbecue, for right, example. Right. But it was prepared in such a fancy way, like in a room where the it's perfectly temperature controlled. Oh, it's cut in you know that 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 beef when it was a cow was fed like very specific oh, special things. Beef, eh? mm. Mm. And uh, yeah, some some of those restaurants, yeah, looked amazing, even though it's based off of perhaps like a cheaper uh, kind of cuisine. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do do. Do the waiters do that for them? They cut it up and cook it for them. Oh, do you know? Uh, or did they did they cook it themselves? I don't remember. I think they cooked it themselves. I think they uh, that the kitchen just brought the cut meat and yeah. that was like marinated and everything mm. to perfection. But I think, yeah, if I recall correctly, uh, the guys from Worth It did prepare it themselves. Mm. Mm-hmm. Man, I want Korean barbecue. Yeah, <laughs> no, I want it too. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so that was um, basically all that I had researched for my Michelin star. I hope that was informative. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Now I really want to go to one. Yeah, yeah me too, I will man. go out of my way to a two-star Michelin. No, yeah, no not three-star. Three no, no one-star. Yeah, three-star. Oh, yeah. One day. Yeah, one day. One day. If this podcast takes off. You should save up and go. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I have all this like disposable income now because I didn't go to Japan. <laughs> I was saving up for forever. And speaking of not being able to go to Japan because of the virus. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, yeah, coronavirus. So what I wanted to do was pretty much just like break it down with the top 10 facts list. To head, oh, as we typically okay, do. you're doing yeah. a list. Nice. Yeah, I just thought it was too difficult to talk about something that really requires a lot more research to fully understand. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of unknowns with the disease so far. So I wanted to like really compartmentalize it. I found it kind of tough to communicate it in a way where it was more holistic. So this is the way I'm going to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So first, uh, the term coronavirus. Do you want to guess what COVID-19 means? I think the C stands for coronavirus. Mm-hmm. O stands for, oh, I don't know. 
VAD, no idea. 19 stands for 2019. Wow, Jacob. Did you also win the science award in grade 8? No, no, no. no. I won the athletic award, the French award, and the Masters of Ceremony award. What is that last one? Um, it's just where I was an MC for the graduation ceremony, but you get a reward, like a award for that. Wow. You were yeah. a star student That's once right. upon a time. Once upon a time. What happened? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know. Man. Okay. It's all good. It's all good. I know you're a smart dude. That's Thanks, why. Bro. Yeah. That's why we do this together. Anyways, COVID-19. Uh, so I also thought it was just like this random, you know, term that scientists came up with. You know, as they do right. with certain things. Yeah, they just make stuff up. Yeah, just make stuff up. Just call it COVID-19, whatever. Yeah. But it actually has, uh, it's actually an acronym. So mm. CO, CO, stands for coronavirus. Uh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. VI, VI, that stands for, uh, oh, sorry. CO stands for corona. Mm-hmm. VI stands for virus. Oh. D stands for disease. Mm-hmm. And 19 just means it was discovered in 2019. Okay. Yeah, because the first known case was in December of 2019. Okay, okay. Yeah. I thought it was COVID-19 for some reason. COVID? Um, I was wrong. Nah, yeah, you were wrong. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, anyways. Yeah, so the coronavirus, it, it actually doesn't describe this specific strain mm-hmm. that's causing a global pandemic right now. It actually refers to a family of viruses, including SARS and MERS from the past. Right. And the reason why it's called coronavirus is because it has all these spiked proteins all around it. Okay. And it kind of makes it look like a crown. And uh. corona in Latin means crown. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that's why it's called coronavirus. And that's why that family, which all have these spiky proteins on the outside right. of it, are called or are a part of the coronavirus the crown family. virus. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so that was fact number one. What okay. does COVID-19 mean and why okay. is it called coronavirus? Yeah. Fact number two, uh, I just wanted to talk about the origin of COVID-19. So it was first discovered in Wuhan, China from unknown causes. Right. That's very key, unknown causes. Because there have been a lot of internet rumors about the origin possibly coming from someone eating like an infected bat. Yeah, that's what I, that's what or, I heard. Or bat soup from like a weird Wuhan like food market. Yeah. Yeah, but there's really no evidence to substantiate that claim at all. Mm-hmm. So the assumption right now is that that is not exactly what caused the breakout. Not exactly. Not exactly. Like, I mean, you know, theoretically, I, I don't think you can like it's rule possible. it out. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, there there's zero evidence of that happening. Right. Um, another, I guess, myth regarding the origin of COVID-19 would be around the fact that the Chinese government bioengineered right. the virus right. themselves yeah, yeah, in yeah. Wuhan. That's not true at all. <laughs> yeah, so even like experts outside of Who's Wuhan. Who's spreading these rumors? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. I just know that they caught on fire on the internet and now everybody has yeah. these like different ideas of where COVID-19 came from. Um, another rumor is that maybe someone in this lab in Wuhan um, which actually experiments with bats with coronaviruses mm-hmm. got bitten or infected by that bat oh. and then spread it in Wuhan without really knowing that yeah, he yeah. or she was spreading it around. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another rumor. And again, okay. you know, there's no re- real evidence of right. it actually happening that right. way. So again, just um, focus on the fact that 
for now, most experts have no idea where coronavirus oh, that's the thing. Like, came just, from. They just have no idea. Yeah. Right now, they're just saying unknown causes. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sucks. However, I, I don't want to, you know, get the Chinese government totally off the hook for this because their initial response to the right. discovery of right. coronavirus was handled very poorly. Yeah. So basically all these Chinese officials and health practitioners, they were noticing coronavirus and they were like, hey, we should probably inform the public about this. But the Chinese government really suppressed those people and made sure that you know, in the, in the name of not appearing to be a nation that's sick, let's not talk about it. Let's keep it under wraps. So we'll right. try to control it ourselves. And obviously they did a horrible job. So now we're in this like pandemic, like global state. And uh, I, I would, I would have to say that a huge factor is the fact that the Chinese government handled it so poorly in the first couple of weeks yeah. of us knowing yeah. about its existence. For sure. Uh, number three, I just wanted to share some stats on coronavirus. So as of recording today, which is March 8th, mm-hmm. yeah, I just wanted to talk about, you know, like the total number of cases, deaths, death yeah, rates yeah, yeah. Uh, as of today. So right now, as of recording, there's 110,000 total cases, 3,800 deaths. And this translates to just over a 3% death rate so right, far. Right, right. Um, and out of those 110,000 61,000 have recovered successfully. Okay. Yeah, so it's a good, you know, it's a good amount so far. Yeah. It's a good ratio. Yeah, a little, little over half are, are doing okay after right. getting infected. Out of these 110,000, China accounts for 81,000 of those cases. Wow. And out of the 3,800 deaths, China accounts for 3,100 of them, which is, yeah, it's a huge bulk yeah, of yeah, it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, This makes sense because it was the origin of the disease and, you know, they have a huge population, so... Yeah, it's expected. Right. In order, Italy, Korea, and Iran are the next three most infected countries. Mm-hmm. Italy has 7,400 cases with the highest death rate of any nation so far Wait, at around do you, 5%. Do you, do you know why? Like Italy? Uh, yeah, I think I'll get, get to okay, that okay, soon. Okay, all right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little hasty. It's all good. It's a good question, though. It's yeah. a good question. I'm sure our listeners are asking the same thing. So, yeah, Italy has 7,400 cases and has the highest death rate of any nation so far at 5%. Right. And if I had to guess as to why Italy in particular is suffering so much from this, it's because they have a bit of an older population. Right. And coronavirus has really come out um, and developed a reputation of being more dangerous towards elderly people. Right, right. So that's that's my theory. You know, I haven't really read anything on yeah, as yeah. to but why it, it makes has sense. such a high death rate. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Next is Korea at number four, I believe. Sorry, number three. Korea at number three has 7,300 cases. Iran has 6,600. And after that, just to round off, round off the top five, it's France at 1,200 cases. So that's a huge drop off. Right. And this is just my personal observation, but what I found interesting was that all five of these countries are either highly communal, especially around mealtime, or these are countries where touching is an important aspect of their culture, especially socially. Right. So, for example, like uh, Korea and Iran, right, and, and even China, we share food. Yeah. There's food in the middle. And we grab what we want and we're all like sharing saliva in the yeah. process, right? And it's just a part of our culture. Some people may find it gross. Uh, I personally don't see anything wrong yeah, with same. it. But obviously, you know, in times like these, you got to be careful about right. that kind of stuff. 
Whereas something like, or places like Italy and France, they do a lot of that like, kissing. Right. Yeah. How they greet each other. That's how they greet each other. Yeah. So I, I think that's also kind of why these countries are experiencing like a really rapid spread of the infection. Right. But yeah, again, that's just my theory. I think, again, it makes sense. It makes though. sense. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was worth mentioning Germany at number six. They have just over 1,000 cases as okay. of today. But I find them really interesting because they have yet to record a single death. Oh. Yeah. Their health their healthcare. Yeah, they have incredible health. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't yeah. Or they're very strong people. Yeah. Um, finally, just to top off, you know, all these stats and estimates, um, some experts expect that 40 to 70% of the glo- global population will eventually get infected by COVID-19. 40, 40 to, to 70. 70? Yeah, that's the expectation today. Oh my gosh. So by don't, when? Do you know? Don't think you're safe. Do you know by when? Oh, just by like, it, it's it's course. It's full course. Wow. Like at the end of the day, like no, right. once we can say goodbye to COVID-19 forever, mm. we think that at least around 40 to 70% of the global that's population crazy. would have had been infected that's at some crazy. point. Right? It is crazy. I found that scary yeah should we put on gloves yeah uh, yeah should we put on gloves, gloves and a mask yeah why am i even talking to you in my room right now yeah we should be yeah. we should be separated by a door we should you know i i don't even want to go to work anymore but that's not new that's not coronavirus <laughs> <laughs> that's just life that's just life yeah uh number four i wanted to go over the symptoms real quick so most common symptoms uh Related to coronavirus, it would be coughing, fever, shortness of breath. Mm -hmm. So basically, if you exhibit any one of these three symptoms, please call a doctor. Find a way to self-quarantine yourself before receiving further instructions from your doctor. But yes, don't don't go to work. Don't go to school. Don't assume that it's just the common cold or uh, the flu, the seasonal flu. Yes, do a favor and don't just assume it's a cold, please. Yeah, definitely call a doctor right away, no matter how minor. Uh, number five, I wanted to talk about how it's spread. So it's thought to primarily spread through respiratory droplets. So basically, it's the stuff that comes out of your mouth when right. you cough or sneeze. Right. And according to the CDC, uh, the coronavirus has an incubation period of around two to 14 days on average. Okay. With the greatest outlier so far showing an incubation of 27 days. Whoa. Yeah. Someone had coronavirus for 27 That's days. That's a long time. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, you know, what you can do about a disease that doesn't appear in 27 days. Right. Right. Like you're just walking around yeah, living your you normal no life idea. and you have no idea for, for almost a month. Yeah. You know, like think That's of all really, the places yeah. you could have gone to. That's really scary. Yeah. That is really scary. But yeah, average incubation period is two to 14 days though. But that in itself is too long. Really too long. Yeah. Um, number six, prevention. The biggest tip for preventing uh, the spread of this disease and to keep yourself protected mm-hmm. is definitely proper hand hygiene. Right. More, more, it's more important than like wearing a mask or anything like that. So when you cough or sneeze, just don't do it in your hands, but sneeze or cough into your sleeve. When you wash your hands, use warm water and wash with soap for at least 20 seconds and wash right. your hands often. Right. The next best thing would be hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol content. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you're big into travel, just don't go to any of the high-risk countries right now. Honestly, it might even you might even be better off not traveling at all for the right, next year or right. so, unless it's necessary, unless it's absolutely necessary. Right. Uh, you can easily check your country's travel advisory online. 
And if you're the one that's infected, then the easiest way to prevent it from spreading is to, again, stay home. Yeah, if you are yourself. infected, just stay home. Yes, call a doctor. Everyone will understand for not showing up to work or school. Yes. Yeah, no one will, no one will freak out that you're not there. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Number seven, uh, I wanted to talk about the vaccine. So when, when yes. will it be prepared? So right. obviously a vaccine is the most effective solution to stop the spreading of the novel coronavirus, as it's sometimes called. But while the DNA sequence has been shared by the Chinese government with uh, experts all over the world of the coronavirus, the optimistic timeline for it would be one year mm. for that vaccine to be prepared because there's still a lot of research to be done, not only on the virus itself, right. but also the solution and the vaccine. Wow. There's a lot of testing that needs to be done. And finally, once you have the solution, you have to implement it all over the world. Right. So it'll take about, you know, in, in terms of optimistic estimates, it'll take about one year that's for a, a vaccine to be prepped. Yeah, that's a long time. A lot of people can die in that time yeah. for sure. And I think that's possibly why experts might think that 40 to 70% of the population might get infected. Right. There are just too many things about this disease that make it too easy to spread around, really. Right. Um, Number eight, I wanted to talk about the global impact of coronavirus real quick. So, you know, this is impacting the sports world, obviously, with uh, the Summer Olympics in Tokyo possibly being canceled or postponed. Yeah. I know that the UEFA... Um, a, so- a European soccer league, they're playing some games behind closed doors or for broadcast only. Oh, wow. Yeah. No fans allowed. No fans allowed. So you, you can only see it on TV. I think that would be super weird as a professional yeah. athlete. Like we score and no, no one yeah. cheering. It's only yourself cheering. It's like, like, where do you run to? Playing house league again. You don't, you don't run to the fans. You just run back to your side of the field. The cameraman? I don't know. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I know that the NBA was also considering playing behind closed doors. Yeah, and they're like touching elbows um, instead of like doing handshakes. None of that handshake stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the every NBA team was asked to come up with like a plan, like a contingency plan for coronavirus. Right. Uh, especially it spreading to the U.S. You know, we wanted to or they wanted to prevent that risk as much as right. possible. And, yeah, they're supposed to like identify essential staff to run a game, like the minimum number of people to run a game, like who are those people? Those are the only people in the event of like a full-on epidemic to actually show up to these games. It's kind of weird because they're all going to be sharing that ball. Unless they like... (laughs) I don't know. Sanitize the ball like every time out. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I know LeBron's not about it. He's like, I'm not playing without fans, no way. (laughs) So LeBron, yeah. Um, I know, uh, at least in the business world, there's a lot of concerns around global supply, global supply chain right, management, right? With Chinese manufacturing in particular being very yeah, stalled, so a lot of workers are obviously that. not going to work anymore, and rightfully so. And that's pretty much screwing up everything because everything comes out of China. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. Everything. Yeah. Most things. Yeah. Obviously, tourism is tanking. Yeah. Like I'm not going to Japan specifically because of the novel coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And attractions like the Ghibli Museum are temporarily closed, which factored into my decision to not go. Mm. So if tourist attractions are being closed down, then, you know, their tourism industry around the world is obviously going to tank. Right. Right. And finally, with all these like um, all these factors coming together, like and culminating, the stock market's not doing well. There's a lot of concerns regarding the global economy because 
of the lack of tourism, travel, you know, business is not being conducted, no manufacturing, et cetera. And I'm sure the cruise industry is not too happy about this either. Yeah, the Diamond Princess really uh, put a nail in that coffin. (laughs) Number nine, I wanted to talk about um, another myth or uh, my first myth of the episode. It's coronavirus versus the flu. What's more dangerous? What do you think is more dangerous, Jacob? I'm gonna coronavirus put it or the flu? Yeah, just like the regular seasonal flu. I think, I think the flu is more dangerous. Really? Than coronavirus? Is it not? No. Oh, See, the coronavirus is much more dangerous. It is. Yes. Yes. Oh. So, again, this is just another myth that's being perpetuated by mostly, I want to say, American media. Okay. Yeah, the, the American media is the worst. Anyways, yeah, so, you know, guys like, you know, the president of the United States, Donald Trump, spreading lies, saying stuff like, hey, yeah, you know, coronavirus is not a big deal because it's pretty much just as dangerous as the flu. But if you actually look at the numbers, the flu in the U.S. kills about 0.1% of those infected. Right. Yeah, that's that's not a lot at all. If you compare it to the death rate in China right now, which is 2.3%. Right. That, yeah, that, that automatically makes coronavirus t- around 23 times more dangerous than right. the seasonal flu. Right. So making that comparison is just, not, is just not something people should be doing. But didn't people in history die from flu all the time? Yes. So Until I, we found, like, not like a vaccine, but... Yeah, so I actually want to talk about the Spanish flu for my 10th fact. Okay. Yeah, so... There's also this idea that warmer weather will eliminate the coronavirus, oh. which really doesn't make sense to me because if Iran is already like super infected, what makes you think warm weather is yeah. stopping coronavirus? Yeah, that place is hot. But there is some level of evidence to suggest that this might occur for viruses, just a little bit, okay. <laughs> not a lot. Okay. So according to... Dr. Gregory Gray of Duke University's Global Health Institute Division of Infectious Diseases. Ooh. What a mouthful. Ooh. Okay, according to Dr. Gregory Gray, <laughs> could've he just, says... Could just said that. <laughs> but no one would know who he is. Okay, fair yeah. enough. So he's from Duke. He says, it's hard to know. Routinely, I've seen coronaviruses often wane during summer months as buildings have more air circulation, people tend to congregate inside less, and people are more exposed to UV light, which can right. kill viruses. Okay. However, um, overall, there's just too little we know about COVID-19 to say warmer weather will help or not. Something like the rate of the seasonal flu will predictably spike in winter months, mm-hmm. specifically for the reasons that Dr. Gray just mentioned, like right. everyone's indoors, uh, you're not outside as much, air circulation right. is in buildings, right. uh, and it'll go down during the summers. However, if you look at an, a, uh, a historic disease like the Spanish flu in the U.S. in 1918, the outbreak was actually worse in the summer months mm-hmm. than in the winter months. So it's really difficult to say one way or the other. Right. It seems very strain dependent. So it's yet to be seen. Right. But the claim that guys like Donald Trump are making is that, yeah, it'll just magically disappear in April, right. which is definitely not the case. I can 100% guarantee <laughs> that that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> It might go down in the summer months, but to say that it'll completely disappear, that's right. just fantasy. And then just to say, like, it's not a big deal might be a little naive. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. 
I mean, I mean, that was me like one month ago when I mean, there that, were 80 cases. Not going to lie, that's me still like now. Oh, a little really? Bit, a little bit. Ooh, just kind of like, yeah, I think if I got it, I would just stay at home. I, that's a dream come true for me to stay at home, <laughs> just stay fight home. it off, yeah, yeah, yeah. have my mom cook me some good, mo- yeah, good, good I meals. I don't think you'd be allowed. Would you be allowed to stay home? I actually don't know that. Where would I go? A hospital? And just stay at or the Or like hospital. some sort of like quarantine facility? I don't know. Oh. Do we have those? I wish I did more research. Oh, Clearly that's, not. That's okay. But if you want to know, do your own research. <laughs> it takes like five seconds to Google that. Yeah. But yeah, that's it for me, man. I hope you learned a lot about coronavirus yes, today. that was very, very insightful. I appreciate that. That no worries. Yeah, and yeah. It, it makes me take it a little bit more seriously. Yeah, but you're still not scared of it at all. You're kind of like, Not ah. at the moment, but hopefully I don't get it. I hope <laughs> that doesn't bite me back in the butt. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, cool, man. Well, uh, you want to take it away, yeah. Jacob? Yeah, thank you again. For those of you who have tuned in for this week's episode, it really means a lot to us. If you liked our episode about coronavirus and Michelin stars, or even just have like thoughts and criticisms and whatever, we take all that. I don't take know. criticisms. Okay, but I take some. Okay. If it's done really gently. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sensitive. Yeah, yeah, me too. So if you liked our episode, or if you didn't like us, give us a shout anyways. Okay. You can follow us on Instagram, I had no idea dot podcast, or hit us up on email, I had no idea dot podcast at gmail.com. And with the end of today's episode, if you had no idea, now, now you, you do. do. I did it so well that time.